optional, but everyone has to eat. In fact, though we rarely consider it so, food is even a major catalyst in human history. Something as simple as a sweet potato spurred population growth in early modern China. The quest for spices led directly to the accidental European discovery of the New World. Even modern warfare was made possible by advances in food technology, from Napoleon's army marching on its stomach to the soldiers' rations in World War I and II. And of course, many of the mass migrations through history were prompted by the quest for food, from prehistoric times all the way to the Irish potato famine. Moreover, because everyone has to eat, and all people make conscious choices about what they eat, it's probably the activity that reveals most about an individual or even a group of people. Uh, that person's values and fears, ambitions, and even where that person fits in a society. Tell me what you eat, and I will tell you what you are. This oft-heard quip comes from a 19th century book about taste by Jean-Antoine Briat-Savarin, and he was saying something extraordinarily profound about the role of food in human culture. Note, this is not the same as you are what you eat, which implies that physically you become like your food, and that's certainly true, but there's more to it. The original phrase also suggests that people use food to express who they are, consciously or otherwise, that somehow food choice is a kind of message. It's a means of communication as much as the way we speak or the clothes we wear. Food is also, therefore, a means of communication. I mean, imagine a diner invited to a great medieval banquet hall. He's seated physically below the host, emphasizing the guest's inferiority and dependence. And the food that comes out is abundant and lavish, even exotic. Again, communicating the host's wealth and largesse. And the liberal seasoning of spices very clearly says to everyone present, here is a person of sophistication, knowledge, and power, because these simple flavorings traveled halfway around the globe, passed through the hands of many middlemen, and now they're worth their weight in gold, and we are about to squander them on our stomachs. Now consider how very different that message is from, say, a romantic dinner for two, or a cozy family meal, or a burger at a tailgate party. In all cases, our food communicates our values, our anxieties, and our aspirations. For example, when King George VI of England and his wife Elizabeth came to visit President Roosevelt and Eleanor at Hyde Park in 1939, they might have been expecting a formal state dinner, but Mrs. Nesbitt, the Roosevelt housekeeper, served hot dogs outside at a picnic. Now, it might seem completely inept, and by all accounts, Mrs. Nesbitt was a terrible cook, but I think it was also, even if not consciously, a way to communicate that we Americans are not stuffy and formal, and we can appreciate good, common food. And here's what we have to offer. Sometimes food choices were, and still are, further elaborated into formal codes. Think about keeping kosher for observant Jews. It's a daily reminder of one's relationship to God. Or being a vegetarian encompasses an entire ethical code about how we should treat animals. Sticking to your weight loss diet tells people uh, what you and much of the broader culture values, of course, being thin. And these, I would say, are more than simple just ways of eating. They are food ideologies that express values that go way beyond what's on the plate. 
They encompass an entire worldview. And obviously everyone has to eat to survive, but the fact that humans consciously choose some foods and reject others, uh, they transform foods in certain ways and even communicate using food, it means that looking at the past and its food ways is an excellent way to analyze culture in general and to understand where we ourselves have come from. I also believe it's equally important to taste food from the past, to gain a direct aesthetic appreciation for what our forebears enjoyed. So throughout the course, I'll be discussing recipes, I'll be offering directions on things like how bread was baked, how ancient salads were constructed, how sushi is rolled. And you may also want to take advantage of the activities in the guidebook that accompany this course, which will bring this history alive in a very palpable and I think delicious way. And these activities span the entire course from processing acorn flour all the way to modern high-tech experiments.